Hello, and welcome to the Becoming Lit podcast. I'm your host, Anne Fancy, and I am truly grateful you are here with me today. This podcast is dedicated to having deep and honest, raw and soulful conversations around what it means to be an embodied soul living this messy human existence. We'll dive into storytelling, into asking hard questions, exploring wonders of the universe and digging into some weird stuff. But the whole point here together is that we look deeply into our own life, into our own truth, into our own soulful alignment, and that we peel away everything that doesn't serve. And we step into exactly who we intend to be, to embody as much light as possible, and to shift and change this world for the better. I'm grateful for your presence here, for all the ways you show up in your life, and of course, for lighting up your own corner of the world. Okay, lovely people. I've been sitting on this episode for a while because we had some audio issues and it was a lot to edit. And then once I listened back to it, other than some echoes I had to eliminate, I have decided to leave it largely unedited, pun intended, as you'll see as you listen in. This might be one of my favorite episodes of all time. Um, I happen to think we're all very funny. Um, It's a very interesting conversation around um, body, weight, fitness, um, labels, uh, understanding what is health, like all of those things. And it's also just really effing funny. And the conversation around pants and beauty and size and words and language all come back around. So I am so, so, so excited to release this episode for you to hear from some people that I just think are absolutely fantastic. And um, I would love your thoughts. I really do hope we get a chance to do a second episode of this because we have a lot more to say. Um, and quite frankly, it's kind of amazing that we all said something because every single one of us on this podcast today um, are innately talkers taking up space in the world. So I hope you enjoy this. Um, as always, please subscribe, share, um, comment, reach out. Um, I would appreciate your feedback. Um, and of course, lastly, I am hosting a fall retreat again, October 6th through 9th, 2022, in one of my favorite places in the world. Um, and with gorgeous, stunning, unbelievable views of Lake Michigan, it is a spiritual connection retreat that happens to have a little yoga. So yoga is not a requirement. And if you want more information, just go to my website, anfancy.com. Um, and you can get all the information you need. All right. I hope you enjoy this as much as I do. Um, I did, and I still do. I laughed when I was listening back. Um, of course, it's a long one. So, you know, use your pause button, take breaks when you need to, but it is worth a listen. And I left it just as it was for the most part. Thank you for being with us. Thanks, um, all of you, for listening. I just really appreciate each and every one of you. Oh, it doesn't <laughs> sound like garbage, actually. Garbage. Um, okay. So my vision is, um, addressing the, the, you know, okay. So Sarah, we were both mm-hmm. at that thing with the, um, dietitian, right. Mm-hmm. And 
I've had this idea that we've talked about for a while to do this anyway, but that was really charged up too. Like, and I know you had a lot to say and I did too about the whole thing, but I think that while we're exploring what yoga is and isn't and who yoga is for and who it's not for and, um, you know, Riss's position on fuck diet culture, which is a shared position for most of us, I think, um, and just what it's like, what it's been like for you, both in the yoga studio, what is our like goal? Like, what is your relationship with your body? How is yoga? Uh, you know, whatever, anything, wherever this goes, okay. I'm up for it. But I think that, I think that we keep talking about yoga being an inclusive space or that we have this idea of it, both for, you know, brown and black bodies as well as queer bodies, as well as fat bodies, as well as whatever other Right. And so I think that what I want out of this is just a really honest conversation about what it's like. And then also to demystify who yoga is for and not for, because you all have uh, gorgeous practices um, that are unique to you, just as every human being does. And I think that I don't want yoga to be a space that's limited. And yeah, unfortunately, we're all still white humans here, you know, but um that's that for now. I can't help that. Right. And also there's a reason for that, right? The system is designed to, right. to make sure that that happens. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's but not an, a visual system, medium, right? but here I am sarcastically thumbsing up because that's the system is designed to be that way. So, well, actually the video is also recording risk. Can you send that and to me? Yeah. And we can, um, I mean, the goal of this is always that I'm going to have them on YouTube. So if people want mm. to see the video, but I just haven't always, it hasn't always worked or like I recorded one and like I did one with Andrea and the audio sucked and then her video worked, but mine didn't. And so, mm. yeah. Sweet. So then there's just all these problems. Cool. Yeah, so, you know, learning curve. Okay. All right. So, um, I'm just gonna, we'll just dive in and maybe some of that will go in as the beginning, but we'll dive in and like, just let the conversation go where it goes. Cool. Mm-hmm. I know we all like to talk, so, um, you know, speak, but then of course we'll have to take turns. Can everybody do that? I'll try my best. Okay. All right. So, um, what are we calling this? I don't, it doesn't fucking matter. Okay. All right. Hey, welcome everyone. I'm so glad to be here with some pretty stellar human beings I have met through my long uh, yoga career and practice. Um, in fact, Sarah, who's going to introduce herself in a moment or two, is going to, well, you don't have your last name listed there, but that's okay, Sarah. We'll let it slide. Um, Sarah and I have actually known each other back since uh, we were 18 or 19, perhaps, in our early lesbianism years the early years of lesbianism yes Yes. we invented lesbian yeah we basically did i'm pretty sure yeah (laughs) we're really good we were really good at it (laughs) good at it it caught on like wildfire actually don't (laughs) you think it was probably yeah we're like here kids here's your starter kit you get an ani defranco a rugby ticket and a short haircut (laughs) and you too can be a lesbian with the rest Uh, of us cargo pants that's what we do. We did do that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Um, okay. So let's just go around the room. I've, I haven't really done a round table, so this is fun. Um, and introduce yourself and maybe just a little bit. We're going to talk today about the relationship with body, diet culture, yoga, um, you know, 
all the things that fit into those categories and intersect. So anything that you want to share on the front end that we need to know about you just to get going. So Sarah, since you've already used your voice, you go first and then we'll go from there. Okay. Well, my name is Sarah Weinstein. And as Anne mentioned, I've known her since 2000-ish. I started practicing yoga, I'd say 2008. Yep, that sounds about right. And um, I was in a different body at that point. Um, and I was sort of looking for something, but I didn't really know what, and every single therapist I ever had was like, you know what you should do? You should do yoga. And I was like, you know what? That sounds awful. Like, I don't want to be, they're like, you'll slow down and be with your body. And I was like, what the fuck would I want to do that? That sounds absolutely terrible. Um, but then finally I was like, I have a group on, so I'm going to go and do yoga. And then I did. And then I kept doing yoga. And then I started things started happening in that, like, I didn't hate myself as much. Like I still, you know, hated myself, but it was like this little tiny square of space where I was like, maybe I don't hate myself entirely. And it was kind of this opening into like, maybe there is something to this. Uh Uh This concludes my part of the introduction. Great. Who's that? Who's that? <laughs> as a as a fellow uh, Groupon yogi, <laughs> no, that's not true. It's partially true. Um, my name's Aris. I am a person in the world. <laughs> There's a lot of things I could share with you about me, but the important ones here, identity wise, are that I am white. I am fat. Uh, I am queer. I am young. And I typically live in a currently abled body on most days um, for the time being. Like Sarah, I struggled with my body for a long time. Um, it's still kind of an everyday, every moment kind of situation. But yoga has made that less uh, of a war than it once was. And so I started yoga uh, for weight loss about almost four years ago now, um, and by proxy learned that it could be a lot more than just that. Um, I practiced yoga a little bit and then fell off the metaphorical wagon. Um, and then when the world shut down in the beginning of the pandemic, I was looking for a way to reconnect with my body and with my breath because I was working a desk job that, uh, was high anxiety and still is. Um, and so I, I went to the internet and started to practice yoga there. And then I found a group on and started practicing in real life. And what I learned, uh, very quickly through that student special intro price was that, Um, My practice at home was very different than my practice in the studio. There were more people, there were more voices, and there was more things happening in my noggin that didn't necessarily always happen at home. Um, And so now I'm here (laughs) to tell you all about uh, what has transformed since that time in my bedroom, trying to be a pretzel, and also trying to walk into studios and find find a place, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Do you feel complete? I, yeah, I feel complete. I mean, yeah. we have plenty of time for me to tell you everything else, but right. that's that's the gist right. of it, yeah. Okay, okay. Um, my name is Andrea Davis. 
I've been doing yoga for several decades now, and I've sort of just fell into it. I had a friend who did yoga, and I just thought, oh, hey, I'll try it. And um, I think the um, early days, it was really more fitness. It was very popular. Um, Looking back now, and you taught at the studio that I began at, and I didn't know you, so it's fun that you know, we connected decades later. And I always say that I have a, I kind of think of my asana practice as like a cha-cha with yoga. I kind of come in, I go out, I come in, I go out. It's, you know, like when it's great, it's wonderful. When it's not great, it really is a little demoralizing. And yet it still brings me back. So there's something there. And then um, for your listeners, I also have this uh, deep yearning, seeking for just that real deeper part of the yoga practice outside of asana, which I know is part of the thing that pulls me. And I'm constantly trying to understand the history, like the deep, really deep um, history, tradition does it, what's there, what do you want to keep, what don't you, but I'm, to me, that, that truth seeking is really important, just see what it is for what it is, and if it doesn't hold true today, then let that fall away, but that to me is really important just for me as a person, but, and then as far as my body, it's been a love-hate relationship for, I don't know, since childhood, And um, I've done yoga in a smaller body and a bigger body and a fluctuating body and all the things. Um, So I'm excited to just share our experiences and put it out there. Mm -hmm. Um, Let me ask this very basic question, but like, what what are the words you are comfortable using about your body? Um, just because I know that Sarah was is claiming fat um, and she wanted to call it fat chat when we got on here and I'm totally up for whatever the names are, but I'd love to know, you know, I think words matter. And I think we're really in a space these days where it's like, there's a, I don't know, so much about what the words are that speak to you. And so go ahead, tell me what you, what your words are. Any of you. I don't know. (laughs) I mean, I like saying fat because I feel like my joke is like, I am the elephant in the room. Like (laughs) I am fat. Mm. Can I just admit it so we can like get past it? And I think Mm -hmm. that's even more so in like a work setting, but also like in the yoga studio, right? Like even when people talk and they're like, Oh, when you have a bigger belly, when you're pregnant and I want to be like, or you're fat, you know, like, Mm. You know, can we make fat not sound so awful and it could just be a description, you know? Mm-hmm. Like there's a part of me that likes that and then there's a part of me that like cringes a little bit using that word at the same time, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, I have no problem with the word fat. I think because I think of it as a descriptor. I mean, I really have stripped it of any kind of negativity because I had to. Mm-hmm. Um, just be alive. And so I kind of just, uh, had to cut that down. So it's always interesting to me. I was thinking about this in the car, actually, like when someone, when I say like, well, I'm fat and someone goes, no, you're not. And I'm like, why? Because you're beautiful. Why am I not? Because you're beautiful and you can't be beautiful and fat at the same time. 
<laughs> clearly I just, I don't understand, but look at how well I'm doing it. Like I just, I just, my answer to that is just always why, mm-hmm. like, why can't I like what we, it's just so loaded and so frustrating because, and I, I, I get it because there has been a stigma for so long around the use of the word. And it is the sort of like reclaiming period that queer went through for a while. Mm-hmm. Well, it's still going through. Mm-hmm. Um, but you grow up and you're meant to hear that word as an insult. And so it's such a radical idea when you say it about yourself. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I talk to the teacher trainees about is I always say like, I'm five feet tall. I weigh 215 pounds and you're taught for so long to keep your weight Mm -hmm. as a closely guarded secret, like your social security number. Like no one can know how much you weigh or like the world is going to shatter. And like, it's just that, and I'm like, well, this is it. Mm. So here you go. Like it, to me, it's like, this is another detail about me. Like I have brown hair. Mm -hmm. Like I just, it's sort of demystifying what people think. Like (laughs) people are funny. Like when someone's like, oh my God, if I did that, I'd weigh 200 pounds. And I'm like, I weigh 200 pounds. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know what you think of when you Mm -hmm. think of someone who weighs 200 pounds, but like, I'm doing it right now. And like, I'm still alive and people want to know what I have to say. Like, (laughs) look at me, I'm doing it right now. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like, here goes. So anyway, uh, in conclusion, I'm okay with the word fat. <laughs> I'm, I'm all of a sudden thinking that Shannon should have been it with her little face in the video too. She's here. So if you hear laughing, laughing in the background and you're not seeing someone's face in the replay on <laughs> YouTube. Um, yeah, we'll just pan. Can you, can you pan yourself in for one second? <laughs> Wait, where are you? Wait, there you are. There you are. <laughs> Hi, Shannon. Uh, it was, it was sort of divine that here you are today. So. I mean, not that we're not often in the same space, but anyway. Okay. Thank you, Sarah. That was beautiful. Just like you. <laughs> Just like you. This is fucking beautiful. Yeah. BBW, baby. <laughs> okay. Chris? I could say everything that Sarah just said, but I won't because she said it so well. Okay. Uh, fat's great. I'm not mad at fat. Uh, I was mad at fat for a long time, but fat and I are friends now. So fat's cool. Um, always down for a fat chat, always down to make sure that other people know that I know that I'm fat. I think that's my, my favorite thing because people will be like, <gasps> and I'm like, it's okay. I know I'm, it's, I, we're good. Like, <laughs> this is not a secret. Like I, I can see myself. I wake up in my body every day. Um, thank you. And also, we're good, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and and I, 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 I feel good like, saying that because at one point that was not true, and so to be able to be like, yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's what it is. Hell yeah, I'm gonna say it. That's my only mm-hmm. last piece, you know. That's the last thing you were saying today. Mm-hmm. The whole yeah, time. That's all. That's all you'll yes. get. I have to go. I have another thing. Yeah. Yeah. I did. I did warn. Another fat chat. Right, I did warn these uh, human beings that I'm like, we all like to talk. So we're just going to have to work this out and everyone take their turns. Cause I think all of us could fill 90 minutes. No problem. Um, so in that sort of in that conversation, it's, it's, uh, it's curious to me because I wrote the same thing down, right? The gay thing. I don't know if anybody saw the SNL skit. What's that woman's name who does, who did the hilarious one about, um, 
Okay, who's the gay blonde woman? Kate McKinnon. Thank you, Kate McKinnon. Sounds like. Okay, she just did a hilarious bit about what's going on in Florida and like about being a kid in the 90s in middle school and how gay was a bad word, right? Like it was like what you're saying, Sarah, about fat and what we're, we're hearing is like fat was like considered bad and so then you didn't say the word. And I'm totally guilty of that with, with my daughter not like knowing how to because of how it felt to me growing up, my mother always said she herself was fat and ugly. And I learned that that was bad and mm. that I didn't want to be that right. Insert first her history. So I don't, I already understand where hers came from. And I didn't realize how impactful that is, right? Just like your friends saying, but you're beautiful. Like your mom can tell you you're beautiful all day long, but if her inner dialogue is that she's fat and ugly, that's what I learned to be. And so I'm very aware of that. And so I, I've had to kind of unpair what you're saying too, that like we've done with gay, that we're like unpairing the morality or the value judgment attached to the word. And I think that's the same that thing that's happened with gay and queer. Um, anyway, Kate McKinnon did this hilarious thing like, oh, if DeSantis is... Um, I can't believe how, how progressive of him that he's saying kids can't call each other gay anymore. You know, it was really funny. And they're like, no, you're not getting it. Anyway, watch it. I'll, I'll link it in the show notes. It was funny because she's wonderful, but, um, and beautiful. I'm just, I'm just going to keep saying that to each other today. Can we do that? Okay. Um. Can we erase beautiful from our toolbox? I think that should be the name of the episode. No context, just beautiful. Beautiful. Ugh. Yeah. Beautiful ladies. <laughs> Doing beautiful lady things. Beautiful lady. Well, beautiful human things there, Sarah. Beautiful humans doing beautiful human things. Um, So um, that, I would love to walk through where you're at. I mean, I think every one of us, including, you've already described different places in that journey, but Riss, I mean, you're, how old are you? I like to call you 21. You're like 24 now? 23. 24. 23. Keep guessing. 23 and a half. I'm 24 and a half. Thank you. All okay, right, sorry. there we are. Uh, and I, I heard you ask Allison this uh, on the last podcast. Are you a millennial? I don't know. But before you ask me, I don't know because I know you're going to ask. Okay. <laughs> no, you're not. You're a Zier. You're not. Zier? You're Gen Z. Mm-hmm. She's a Z. I'm sorry. Ch- cheers you to uh, are a person that is Z. Yeah, thank you. Z. Uh, yeah. So I'm I'm 24 and a half. Uh, what does that have to do okay. with this? I just I like context. Well, different. Oh, um, okay. Life experience, like we, you and I, will have different life experiences. We have more than twenty years between Mm. us, right? And it was to go into my following question, which was, which is, you said that you know you weren't like you entered yoga for weight loss, which I think that like no matter what size body anyone's living in, I think most people enter in through the guise of a cuter ass and a smaller waist or whatever (laughs) bullshit you know that's going to be. And, um, and, and then I always, I've always felt like, well, that's like the sneaky trick. Like we get you in thinking that that's what it's about. And then we offer you all this other stuff. Yeah. If you don't harm the hell out of yourself in the beginning, uh, in the beginning. Well, right. (laughs) You know, it's a, it's a slippery slope sometimes. So I, I would love to hear since this is why 24 matters to me, you've already gone from, I entered yoga for weight loss and now I'm reclaiming this identity as a fat human being and that's that, that's much faster than i think any of the rest of us have done that mm. that reclaim yeah i'm body. not even there I'm right not, yeah i'm not there mm. sorry so 
I think that I have done it much more quickly than other folks have uh, for a few reasons. Some of them are environmental, others are just mental, and it goes from there. I think that environmentally, social media has played a big impact in my uh, the opportunities to see something else than the story that was already being told about fat people. And that's an interesting thing to say because I know that there's a lot of conversation and chatter around how social media is detriment to young folks and the impact that it's having on them and the filters and everything else that's out there that distorts the way that we look. But I think that has been an accelerant. And like Sarah, um, I didn't really have a choice. (laughs) I either got on board with the idea or I wasn't a person in the world. And that's the best way that I can put it. Um, and so, I lost my train of thought. This is awkward and this is going to happen on this podcast. Have fun editing. Um, (laughs) I never, I never lose my train of thought. Do you want to, do you want to ask me the question again? Yeah. Uh huh. Uh, I was just, I don't have captions either. So it's all good. The journey from not from not claiming fat and resisting fat or resisting the size of your body or body period to claiming it, Mm. how you said social media played a role, um, not, not feeling like you had a choice really in the matter Mm -hmm. that it was accepted or, or what lose, hate it. I mean, the thing is, is that I don't know very many people who are really to what Allison calls, you know, body love or body acceptance. I know very few. Um, this is one reason we hate ourselves mm. um, as human beings. Yeah, so I want to make it super clear that I don't love my body. <laughs> I am not part of that body love, body positive, anything. Um, I am working more in a place of acceptance because mm-hmm. that is a more neutral place for me. And I have... Yeah, that's what I was... Go ahead, Sarah. That's body neutrality is, is what I was going to, because every day is different when I wake up in my body and like on the days, if I was going for body love, if I woke up and was like, I feel like shit today, then I would be like, I have failed Mm. at body love. So the idea of body neutrality of just being like, you know what? I have a meat suit. It helps me move around in the world. Yeah, good old meat set. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that is a I got meat a meat set. Got there, Sarah, <laughs> Sarah I really like your meat set. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah. Thank you. And even if your body didn't help you move, it would still be a good, it would still be a fine body, right? Like that's the other point yeah. of this is it's not a good or bad thing. It just is. Um, right? And so I'm not working from a place of that I love my body because believe me, there are days that I wake up and I think, oh boy. <laughs> Um, but if I can come to a place of neutrality, that this is the body that I get to live in earth side that allows me to be a functioning human in the world, mostly functioning. Um, hell yeah, that's great. Just says that not necessarily a good body or a bad body or an attractive body or a whatever body. Um, but it is the vessel that I get to walk around in. And I was really tired of being tired about it. I was really tired of being angry with that body. So, again, social media accelerated that because when the world went into lockdown, uh, we were on social media. And my feed, very funny, the Instagram that I now use to 
do a lot of other work, originated as a weight loss account. And so when I came back to that account in the pandemic, um, it was full of bodies that didn't look like my body. And so no fucking wonder I felt like shit every time I opened that stupid tiny app. Um, and so very quickly I started to kind of transform that feed so that when I opened up that, that, um, app, I was seeing people that looked like me that were doing things in the world and that were being real people and that had lives and families and jobs that they loved and things that they cared about. And it kind of started to rewrite that narrative of what we say about fat people and, that was kind of what accelerated it. And I think that, you know, sooner or later, whether it was fake it till I make it, or it was a true restructuring in my brain, I think both were happening simultaneously. Um, that is what accelerated my 2018 brain to my 2022 brain where we are now. Um, the mental shift and the environment being social media and, you know, really forming it in a way that made sense for me. Mm -hmm. Hopefully that answers your question. Mm -hmm. Anybody else want to add on? I would be curious yeah, to hear. I, I think I'm the opposite end of the spectrum completely. Um, and what I mean by that is that like, not only do I not like my body where it's at, I have an incredible amount of shame around how I look. And I think um, that is sort of like almost, you're not supposed to admit that either, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, well, you're supposed to be fat and accept everything and be on the bandwagon. I don't want to glorify being severely overweight. I don't, it's not healthy. Like I'm not in a healthy body right now. I'm not in a healthy mind. And I do have a lot of shame. And I think part of it is from the fact that I have been, I've been treating myself so horribly since the pandemic. And so take away what my body looks like or my weight, how I've been treating myself isn't good. And there is shame around that. And then it just so happens that the result has been a bigger body. So if anything, like I want people to make space for me to not necessarily glorify things, but to create a healthier me in whatever that looks like, right? I just want space to heal. Um, and that could be in so many different ways. There's so many different ways to heal. So I don't know, it's, um, it's embarrassing to admit being feeling so much shame, but I do. And I'm, you know, like I'm learning how to navigate all of this. Nothing like uh, interrupting my own podcast with a little plug for my fall retreat. It is coming up quickly here, November 2nd through the 5th. There was a little date change due to some logistics and making it more accessible for everyone. Uh, go check out more info on my website at ianfancy.com backslash retreat, or feel free to reach out with any questions you might have. Um, they do fill up and I would love to have you there this fall or sometime in the future. Okay, back to the recording. Thanks guys. 
I really hear you on that. I don't, I think that you're not alone at all in that again, for many reasons. And I think that as you guys all know, I talk about shame and trauma and healing and all those things all the time, because I think, um, it's, it's, it's vital and, and almost like when I'm hearing the same thing about reclaiming fat, it's like, it's vital to name what is like that you are having a shame response. And al- and also you've just disempowered your shame by say- speaking that aloud right now. So I just want to say that too, you know, like that takes some of the charge out of it. So thank you for being honest. I mean, I think that's the, that's what we're here for. So thank you. Sure. Sarah, you have any thoughts? Will you repeat the question again? No, there wasn't one. I was just <laughs> okay. seeing if there was like Great. thoughts on what's happening in this conversation. Um, yeah, there, I do have thoughts. Um, I I push back a little bit on the idea that that uh, um, accepting, like using the word fat as a neutral term, is glorifying fatness or glorifying being overweight um, because. I, I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm just saying it exists as like the reality. So I, I don't see me saying that I'm fat as me being like, Hey everyone, please come and like worship me at the altar of, of glory. Like I just, there's something that rubs me the wrong way about, the, about um, I think that is some, the pushback that fat phobia gets is people say you're glorifying obesity because I want a seatbelt that fits me. Like how exactly am I glorifying obesity? If I want you to have a chair in a restaurant that doesn't have arms on it so I can sit down. Like, I don't think that's a glorification of anything that's making the world fit me instead of me trying to fit into the world. Like this is not a me problem. This is a world problem. Mm -hmm. So like if clothes don't, it's not that I can't fit in these clothes you don't make clothes that fit me. Like it's a shift of, it's a shift between what the expectation is that I'm supposed to be doing versus my expectation of what the world is going to do so that I can be an active member of the world. Um, and I think that right now it's not set up. It's set up for me to reduce, be smaller, fit in because there's money in that. And, you know, if they make tiny things and I have to be tiny and sad that I'm not tiny, like mm-hmm. there's who, who profits off of this? Like I, one of the things I always say about yoga to the yoga teacher trainees is, um, if you make it a comfortable space for me in your class, I will come back as a fat person. If you make me feel welcome, I will show up. I will put money in your pocket because you make me feel seen and you make me feel safe because there's a lot of places that I show up in the world where I don't feel either of those. And there is a commodification to the idea that like, if you welcome me, I will show up for you because you've shown up for me. And right. There's a lot of places in the world right now where they want me to show up in a way to make myself smaller so that I can fit into their ideal instead of why can't you come out? Why can't you make me a pair of pants that fit like this? It shouldn't be that hard. Like I have money I want to give to you. Please make me pants. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I just, um, so I guess that's what I want to say. So, less glorification, less 
commercialization and capitalization, but I would like, like you could capitalize on me. Like you could make money off of me. Why aren't you like without me hating myself? Like if you could just make me fucking chairs that I can sit in, I, I would be all over that. Thank you. Yeah. I have so many thoughts. I mean, and shame compounds shame, right? So then it's like, of course, right? The, well, like my mom put me in my first diet when I was seven years old. Welcome I've been to the club, baby. I Except for your club was older than my seven. Club. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. I fucking started. Thanks for this letting club. me into your club, Sarah's seven, mom. Yes, <laughs> seven years old. And so I, you know, I was taught from the very beginning, something, you're not doing it right. Something is wrong with you and it's embarrassing and we need to fix it. Uh And every time, uh, you know, we, it was called shape down and it was like all these other seven-year-old girls going and weighing in in front of each other. Trauma, baby. Right. So like, I, I can see how much weight you've lost. You can see how much weight I've gained. And then we can go and sit in our shame puddles with our moms and talk about like what we could have done better. Oh my God. And I'm like, I'm seven. Mm. I don't know. Like, I played Atari. Sweaty as you tell me this story. Yeah, and then you know, move through the Weight Watchers, like the whole Weight Watch, weight loss camp, like all of it. I mean, I've tried all the things, and like the one common denominator is me, mm. right? So like these things, I'm I'm not failing these things. Like they're failing me. So I, why should I keep putting money in your pocket into a system that like has just failed me over and over and over? Like I just I simply refuse to participate. Mm-hmm. But I do want you to make me pants. <laughs> That's the only part. Can I, just, I, can I just insert people with children? All I keep hearing in my head is from the Lego movie. Where are my pants? <laughs> it's like the only show they watch. It's like the one like <laughs> like sitcom or something. <laughs> So when you said that, oh yeah, yeah so anyway, sorry. I know what you're talking about uh, other. Yeah, yes. give me my pants. Yes, where are my pants? Okay, anyway, um, I think that Sarah, what you were saying there to Andrea's um expression of what her experience is, one of the things that I think was really poignant, and that Allison, who who was the dietitian that I spoke to recently, um, she was saying, you know, this health at every size movement, but like to me, what really what expanded, um. My, my, uh, I forget whatever I was just saying. What really struck me was that it, it also, when we say this isn't healthy, it's like, well, there's more than one measure of health. Like, mm-hmm. are we talking mental health? Are we talking my actual physical body, my heart health, my spiritual health, my emotional health? And like, I happen to believe that there's, you know, from an energetic perspective, and I've talked to all of you probably about this at different times, but like, I think that there's really good reason that people who are fat or live in bigger bodies carry more insulation to some degree, at least on the front end, there was probably a really fucking good energetic reason why you felt you needed more protection from a really harsh, uncomfortable world. <laughs> and so, so that's number one to me. So if we're talking from an energetic or spiritual health perspective, I'm like, well, maybe that is healthier for you. Maybe that is in from that lens. And also just who fucking gets to decide which part of my health is most important. Cause certainly seven year old Sarah, what you're, what you went through was not supporting your fucking health. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I certainly not your mental health. Yeah. That's the point that I was going to make is that I am the fattest I've ever been in my entire life in this very moment sitting on this microphone. And my brain is also the most clear. It's not perfect. 
but it's my mental health is also the best that it's ever been. So, you know, if that means living in a bigger body and having to get new pants every six months, then fucking sick. Just wait, you got pants? They made pants I'll let for you? you? Know where I got my pants. I'll let you know. I'll let you know. I'll let you know where I got my pants. I think the other thing. My, I always say like thigh gap isn't the only moniker to health, right? Because you right. hear all these stories about people who are in their 50s. Oh, they were thin and they had a heart attack, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's lots mm-hmm. of those stories. And I like I'm when I say like I don't want to glorify, I want to say all the things. Everything you guys have said, I agree with. And I want to say I know I'm not healthy at this weight. I'm not telling, just because I have treated myself terrible doesn't mean I think the world should be able to do it back. Just because I, you know, it's sort of like, oh, well, I can, you know, kind of crab about my mother, but you can't do it. So what I'm saying is like, um, to be very clear, I'm saying like, there's a tipping point for everybody. Like energetically, you like went through a pandemic and I used an old tool and I gained a ton of weight. Oh my God. Like I could prepare for a pandemic. Mm -hmm. I used old lousy tools in my toolbox and now I'm at a tipping point where, okay, well, if I don't make some changes, I could have a cataclysmic health event. I want to be able to say that and also say, please accept me how I am today. want both to be it's not a one or the other right I want you to love me in spite of all my flaws and I still think I'm beautiful and deserving of all the things right Mm -hmm. and so that's what I was really trying to articulate by saying that glorifying just saying like I want to be able to say god I I think I need to lose a little weight because I have a health problem without saying that I'm I'm a for diet culture or any of those things. I want the space for all of that dialogue, right? Like I don't want it to be one or the other. That's all. I'm going to disagree and leave it at that. I appreciate you sharing what you have to say. I really do in my bones. And I also invite you to maybe dig a little deeper about maybe if you're just uncomfortable, like we're allowed to be uncomfortable in our bodies. And also we can contribute to the greater harm in general that is happening when we, when we do things like this, you know? Um, yeah. I hope that one day you will feel you're muted. Andrea, you're muted. less that way. So I don't know. I just, my, my only conversation piece there is that I invite you to look a little bit closer and maybe. Yeah. That sounds to me a little bit like that. It's okay for you, but it's not okay for me. So then there's sort of an internalized thing going on there. The whole like, you can feel good in your body at any size, but that's not okay for me to feel good in my body at any size Mm -hmm. is what I'm hearing, which is um, something that gets talked about a lot in um, the, just in the fat community is, uh, and like a lot of smaller fats will be like, well, it's okay for me because I'm a smaller fat as opposed to a larger fat because this size is more socially accepted. Like there's just a lot of, mm. there's that internalized fat phobia of like, I, I can feel good for you that you are in a body that you're okay in, but it's not okay for me. Mm. Um, and I think so what even if a doctor of- came to you and said, you're heading towards a cataclysmic event, 
that makes you feel would, bad about yourself because you need to okay, address well, your health issues. First of all, we don't have to believe everything that doctors say. I would put I do, I don't even let my doctor weigh me unless they like I've had doctors be like, "Well, this is because of your weight." And I'm like, "Could you give me in health data exact like let's talk about my blood pressure, let's talk about my cholesterol, let's talk about and if all of those things are health markers that are fine, then I'm like, "Why are we even having this conversation?" Well, that's that is what it is. It's all the other health monikers that are. It's not just weight. Like I don't, I don't let my doctor. My doctor hasn't weighed me in the office in over ten years. So if you, if you were to weigh the weight that you are right now for the rest of your life, and all of your health other indicators were came down because you're the way you ate your proteins changed or your something changed for you that way. Like, would that be okay for you to live in a body that you live in right now? And no one told you that you were going to have a crazy cataclysmic health event. No, I wouldn't like it because my mobility has been hampered as well. So it's really a mobility and a health thing. That's what I'm saying. Like even saying that it's like, now it's like, I have to dig deeper because you know what I'm saying? Like I, it's, it's just hard to, it's just hard. Like you're damned sure. if you do and you're damned if you don't. I work in a very male dominated work field. I have to behave a certain way. If I really admit my actual feelings, then it's like, Oh, well, those aren't good either. So it's like, I don't really fit in anywhere mm-hmm. when it comes to my fatness. Mm. So that is very isolating, right? Like to me, that's isolating because then you have no one who's wanting to connect with you based on what your life experiences are and how you're feeling. So even if I do feel really messed up and you think it's really unhealthy, it's like, it still feels very isolating because I'm not, you know, like it just, it's isolating. I can't explain it other than that. I'm sorry you feel isolated. That sounds hard. I, so I, so Andrea, I hear you on, I, I hear you because I, I, I hear the damned if I do, damned if I don't. Right. And I, and I also have this like, you know, and I can only live from my perspective too. So, you know, I have not ever, I, I, I've been smaller fat apparently, Sarah. Do we, I, need, I was going to say, do we need to know? go over the, the, the varying degrees? Cause Sarah said that and I don't I know, know there was, that oh, everybody necessarily knows. I didn't know that either. Um, no. Sarah, do you want to explain or? Hey, you got this. So uh, in the fat world, there's conversations around degrees of fatness. And those are based on the way that you interact on a daily basis in the world. And so folks that are small fats are maybe, I won't use numbers because numbers get tricky, right? Um, But those are folks that can like go about their day and typically not have too many issues. They can find a seat. Shop shop in a store. store. That was a big one. Like sit in a chair. Um, but they're typically larger than some folks, right? Then there's mid fat folks who maybe can shop in a store, maybe can't shop in a store, maybe have to navigate, um, certain things a little differently. And then there are, I believe the next one is super fat and that's when, super fat. you know, seatbelts, chairs, stores, life in general becomes particularly harder based on the size of your body. And so even within the fat community, there's conversations about who carries more privilege, even as a fat person. And so like I'm a mid fat, so I can pretty much wander around, live my life. And, you know, the most recent issues I've had are seatbelts and stores. 
Um, but mostly I can get by. Um, and that's my own experience, but that is the, the gist of, of fatness and the degrees of fatness because like everything else, fat phobia, transphobia, capitalism, all these things like to categorize us and then separate us even more so that we have this inner conversation. Yeah, but did the fat culture community create the gradation of what kind of fat there is? We did. So it's or another reclaiming conversation yes, reclaiming. so that okay. we can have it amongst ourselves about, yes, you are here. And also there may be something that you're not, you know, mm-hmm. experiencing mm-hmm. in your body at this time. That's all. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so when I was a camp counselor, I was a camp counselor at a weight loss camp. Like I was really in the system. Uh, I believe, uh, caught up in the culture. Um, there were, it was clear within everyone there was fat, but there was a clear hierarchy among the girls. If you were a, a small fat versus if you were a super fat, like the, who, the kids they would tease, the groups that were cool. Mm-hmm. It was very interesting to see because it wasn't just like, we're all fat. We're all going to play tennis together. Like it was very clearly like, we're cool here, especially because we're not cool at home, mm-hmm. but we're small fats and we can sort of join together and make fun of the kids that are bigger than us because at least we've got that we're, we're smaller than they are. And I'm talking seven to 12 year olds mm-hmm. who like Lord of the Flies themselves quite quickly into we're good you're bad Uh you're big we're small Uh even though we're all here at this weight loss camp Uh one kid especially where their her parents drove her dropped her off told her she was at soccer (gasps) camp it was fucking horrible and then like came up and was like i'd like a second helping of food and we were like you can't get a second helping of food because that's not how it works here. She was like, why? It's soccer camp. And we were like, fuck, told you you were at soccer camp. Oh I'm talking an eight-year-old. Oh, my God. Like, terrible shit because you got your kid cannot be overweight. It's a reflection of you. Anyway, but wow. yeah, that's the super, super fat, mid-fat, small fat, okay. fatty fat, all the fats. Okay. I appreciate that. I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah. That is a thing. Yeah. And where does the privilege come from? And yeah. Well, I want to circle back to Andrea for a second because I feel like that was okay. undone. But um, thank you for, for yeah, I, I'm learning. I know Shannon's over here learning and uh, Andrea seems to be learning too. And I, I think this is good. Um, I What I want to say is the question I sometimes have, and I mean this about not just, I mean, the, the conversation here is around body and size and fatness. Um, but I think that it's really a larger question too, It's which is essentially, you made a fat joke. You made a fat joke about larger. But I'm, I'm not sorry about it. The larger, uh, the broader, the beautiful, more encompassing question. And yes, what the beautiful question I have here about and, yes, go. Um, is, is really like, what is it also to decide like what feels like health to me doesn't. Now, okay, so Andrea set herself up to not fit into this. Oh my God, can I make more fun, more, more puns? Okay. Andrea set herself up by admitting she has a shame experience around this, right? So now the secondary question, we're all going to reflect back on that. I mean, we all have fucking shame. So let's not pretend that Andrea is the only one sitting here with some kind of shame. Of course right? not. Okay, so I just want to put that not. out there. Um, so, totally. so, but like, where, do, where is the line where I get to decide what feels like health for me? versus health for you that is without 
which is still holds neutrality because I can appreciate my sister is having a similar experience who has also lived in a, I'd say a mid fat body, much of her adult life and is working through some really deep spiritual, soulful work, but said to me something the other day, and then I'll let you speak, Andrea, because I'm, you know, taking over for a second. But um, she said that there is some real indignity and aging and being fat because she worries about things like falling and not being, nobody being able to help her get up or like not having that mobility anymore. Um, Mm -hmm. And then that creates a whole other spin out. So I think there's a two part question there. Like, do we as human beings get to decide what health or identity or whatever, like, cause we're in this space now where everybody's getting to see that everything's a fucking spectrum and that we all get to kind of decide where we put our markers and then if they change and all of these things and does health, including body size, but not limited to that also have some personal decision-making without it being a shame or a critique of someone else. I think so. Because I think it's like, again, if you took like, forget, to me, it's the actions that I'm committing that make me feel shameful. I'm doing stuff that's making me feel sick or it's making me less mobile, right? Like I'm not being able to be as mobile in my body as I was even a year ago. And, you know, like I want to be mobile as I age. I want to be here longer. So it's like, and that still doesn't matter what my body looks like. Just because I need to be, let's say I'm going to use, I'm just going to talk freely and then see where the chips lie. Let's say I needed to have a more mobile body um, to have more longevity. And maybe that's an old fashioned thought, but it's like how to me, it's the actions to get there that gets rid of the shame. It's like taking care of yourself. Like it doesn't, it's not always like eating or like, cause what if somebody is drinking alcohol too much for them, the amount of alcohol they would drink could be completely different than another person. It's how they make them feel. It's how it affects their everyday life. It's how they interact with other people. Um, and so for me right now in this moment, you know, like I, I'm not in a good place mentally, spiritually, or physically. It's not just one part of it. And it's the accumulation of thought forms, actions, non-actions, all coming together. Right. And I'm talking in like very real time and I've lived in a bigger body and not behaved the way I am right now. So it's like, and that was a good, nice place to be. And I wasn't real thin and I wasn't a bigger body and I didn't have all the feelings that I'm having right now and shame and all these things too. So I think to your point, it's like, there is sort of a individual life experience where everyone has to decide for themselves what size body, what health, what do you need your blood levels to be at? How much movement do you need to be happy? And happy is like physically healthy, spiritual, healthy, mentally healthy, right? Like you always talk about those three things, like, you know, always trying to seek balance between the three and connecting them, right? Like I don't feel connected with my body right now. That's not really great for me either you know, I want to do that. So then working it back to yoga, it's like kind of at a point where I would feel embarrassed going to a class because I wouldn't be able to even do an hour class right now. So I have to do stuff on my own to even get to that level. So then going back to the world of yoga, it's like, 
how are you really being inclu- inclusive? How, how do, what does that really look like? What is the practical? I, I'm always about the practical. How would, can I practically apply this to my life to gain the benefits from it? Because I need it. I need it. The only other thing I, I keep feeling like I need to say, and I don't know that I have the, the best words for it, but like this, I, I can only speak from my own experience that, that the internalized shame about my body, because let's be honest, disordered eating is two sides, same coin. And so we've talked, Sarah and I have talked about this at length before. Um, and I've had plenty of disordered eating of all kind, whether it was eating, not eating, I was had major binging and the entire time it was self-loathing, um, and shame-based. And I think that what I hear and what I felt for myself is that the more shame I compounded internally, the worse the, whatever the unhealthy behavior was uh, gained traction, right? Like that got bigger, the more I internalized the shame. And I think what I'm hearing from both Sarah and Riss and me too, and what I know we've even had talked privately about this is like, I've never shamed myself into better behavior. Mm -hmm. And I think that what I feel I can speak for myself is like the pain you're experiencing and how I want to free you at the minimum for, from the internalized shame around what your, how you feel about your body. Because Mm -hmm. I think that whatever health looks like, it always comes first from radical acceptance, you know? And I think that's what, even where we started this, like I'm fat Mm -hmm. period. Right. Mm -hmm. And so yeah, that's, I just want to say that out loud because I felt like that was one of the pieces that I really feel. It's like, I feel your pain and I hear you feeling so embarrassed. And I think, okay, you can't make it through an, an hour class, then make it through what you can and, and know that like, I will love the shit out of you for mm-hmm. showing up. And like, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't have to be one more place. Hopefully, you know, that if, if the teacher is holding the right kind of space for you, um, that, that is one more place that you feel like not enough. Now, I, I get, I totally understand why you might feel that way, but I c- certainly want you to know that you're always welcome to come do what you can. Like, that's what, you know, I know, right? That's what Riss was saying. And I, I think you talked, I saw your post today, Riss, on Instagram about autonomy and sovereignty no what were the words you used acceptance autonomy and i don't remember body autonomy hold on don't worry it's right here (laughs) them so you encourage people to find body autonomy oh you go too fast on these things us old people can't read that hold it tap it and it'll stop okay you encourage (laughs) tap if you hold it down it'll (laughs) stop playing i I got it i got it i got you you're right there you're right there so you encourage people to find body autonomy and agency in their practice, even if it means not following the instructions. Yeah. Yeah. Music I, too. We all need lessons. So I, I want to be real because that's the only thing that I know how to be. I hear you. And I think the reason that I get fired up, Andrea, is because I was you. And I know how fucking hard it is when you have one thing on your shoulder telling you so many things and the other voice telling you maybe it's going to be okay is a lot quieter and they just kind of bang back and forth until nothing makes sense anymore. Like I know that. And I also know that you are a very logical person. And so like answers are good for you. Right. Um, so one, I hope that uh, my disagreement comes from a place of 
you are a wonderful human and I want you to live your best life, even if that means living your best life in a larger body. I hope you know that. And I only get fighty mm-hmm. because I, I wish someone would Disagreeing have Disagreeing is fine. That. You know what I mean? I just wish somebody would have told me that. Yeah. And the other part that I, I want to say is like, I think the big thing for me is that when I realized that fat phobia was tied up in all this other stuff, it's tied up in racism. It's tied up in homophobia. It's tied up in all these giant systemic structures that dominant culture wants us to believe. It's just another piece of bullshit that lives in the world to make us smaller. And the more time that we spend being Mm -hmm. small, literally literally or figuratively, right? Like smaller in a way that we're not sharing who we are with the world and smaller because I can buy pants in a store. Um, it, 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 dominant culture wins and we stay small and then we can't do the great things that we're supposed to do or the eh, things that we're supposed to do, right? Like not everybody's supposed to change the world and also everybody can, you know? Um, and so that's, that's my only takeaway and my only invitation to you is like, man, I fucking know that feeling in my guts and in my bones. And I know that one day after a lot of work, it just clicked for me and I can't unsee it. And I cannot wait for the day that you also cannot unsee it because when you do, the world's going to change. Um, and I think if we want to talk about health, then yeah, we have to talk about different markers for health besides weight. And I think that that's what you're talking about, right? Mm -hmm. Like there are other markers. Mm -hmm. Um, And also to be super bleak, like we're not guaranteed to live a long time, period. And so like, yeah, you can eat your way to what you think is healthy and you cannot eat your way and hope to get healthy, right? Um, And also there's no guarantee. And the only other thing that I want to say on that is like, I get nervous around these conversations of mobility because then we're leaving out all our disabled friends, right? The friends that can't take the whole class or the friends that woke up tomorrow and can't do what they once could, or they live in a body that fluctuates ability wise, right? I don't want to leave those people out of this conversation either. Um, and so it, it makes me hesitant and nervous to say things like the mobility conversations, because even if tomorrow you woke up and couldn't do yoga the way that we think of asana, you're still a worthy and, and normal human, you know? Um, right. So that's all. I hope that I'm not overstepping. I get that I just I agree with you. Not at I all. Want you to live I don't your best think life. any conversation you know? is overstepping. That's why we're here to talk, right? For sure. We all have a different life experience. and Yeah. Uh-huh. We're not going to all agree on everything. No, of course that's, not. That's human not, nature. But right. I just don't want you to feel think, attacked because people can... have come to me for my lived no, experience and said, well, that's great, but also no. And I don't want you to feel that way because I also know that feeling, you know. And if I have made you feel that I way, then I wanted to you. apologize. That's all. That's very sweet of you. Thank you for being so sympathetic and <laughs> sensitive. I appreciate it. Sure. I, um. You're a Z because you're just like thinking of all of the things there, Riff. Yeah. Um, because I was like, you know, we're, you we're have to think ketchup. about it. In, I know. I'm like in a, yeah, in a system. Oh my gosh. She's, they're absolutely you're right. You're absolutely right. And then I always go back to like begging these questions of, okay, so can I honor that I have been mobile? I have it as a privilege. It, it does not discount somebody else's mobility. 
And I want to preserve what I have if possible, knowing that we don't fucking know what's going to happen at any point. Sure. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, like, so I think that it's, everything lives in the and and the both. So I think yoga. It's the only difference is, and you're not giving a right. qualifier of like, this is good. Right. And this is right. bad. So there's no value judgment on it. Right. Right. It right. It's just like, this is the right. way I, today I have to use a wheelchair. Right. Yeah. It's just neutral. It just is. Yogic state that we're working to be in. Right. Which is right. And I I think that that's, um, the, I've been thinking about that so much, both since that conversation with Alice McAdams and the, and the yoga teacher trainers, but also my sister sent me stuff on like purity culture and all of these different places. Um, and even more so in the spiritual conversation about neutrality, because I always thought of it as like, basically like Switzerland, like you have no fucking opinion and that, and like it's moot and it's, it's not that at all. Right. Like it's, that is not what neutral means, but I think that oftentimes, at least in the spiritual world, it becomes spiritual bypassing and Mm -hmm. I just have to like take no position, you know, in it. And I think that's a really dangerous space to be into. I do too. That I think that's an important point to make. Plus I think that um, there's like a thing in Tantra about like, seeing the world for what it is, which is not acceptance of terrible behavior. And it's not qualifying. It's if you can't see the landscape for what it is, then how do you change the world for the good? Right? So you're observing and looking and seeing and taking it all in. And then you sort of figure out how you're going to navigate. Right. Mm -hmm clear, clear vision. Right. And that is neutrality for Mm -hmm. you're just observing completely. Right. And that's the idea of the fat. Fat doesn't have to be good or bad. It's just describing what is. Mm -hmm. Right. And that would be the same experience of saying, okay, I'm feeling shame and embarrassment about where I'm at now. Right. And can I apply neutrality in the sense of the way that I, you know, step it's compassionate witness. I'm stepping outside of myself to see it from a different angle and lens. Um, Let's talk about yoga. So let's right the reason we're that we're here eh? into the spiritual conversation. <laughs> well, maybe I mean, and maybe we do a part two, and we just keep talking because I think this is really, really valuable conversation to me. I'm I'm learning and appreciating your insight, all of you. So, um, and I think disagreement is where we like conversation is where our world needs to be. So that's the whole freaking point. We don't all have to see it the same way. Um, one thing I was, I did write down the word relationship. And when I just want to circle back to this, when we were talking about health, um, what I was hearing and what that conversation looked like was the relationship I have to my eating patterns or the relationship I have to whatever my yoga practice, all of these things. And then like the layered on feelings around that. So, cause what I'm hearing from you, Andrea, is that you are feeling, um, like your relationship to food has changed and because of your mental state and the pandemic and all of these things. Right. And it's like, it's like, that's what you're most uncomfortable with is how you're using the food, why you're there, the patterns. Like I heard you talk about the coping strategies and it's like, okay, so all these things are true for me right now. Can I offer grace to myself around the fact that we've all been living in a fucking two year pandemic and lots Mm -hmm. of other shit that happened before and after that. Um, and and then maybe I, I live into deciding what health looks like for me. And it, and it isn't this right now, you know, and that's mm-hmm. okay. That's okay for you to say, I feel like I really do. I think that like, that's okay. We don't all have to agree what health looks like, just like the fucking word balance. Like 
what's balanced to me as a mom and a kid in a certain season, having a kid in a certain season of my life isn't balanced to you. What's mind, body, spirit balance? It's, we're all going to have varying degrees. Balance is kind of even bogus. It's like what feels like harmony, contentment for me right now, you know? I just remember something funny because you said having a kid. Today I was at work and the lady was like, do you have any kids? And I said, no, thank you. And then I realized that that wasn't probably the most appropriate answer. And that just popped in my head. Do you have any kids? No, thank you. That's perfect. That's, that's very – did you ask her if she had any pants for you? Just, just, just kids, no pants. Do you sew? Because I need pants. pants. This world has no pants. pants. Okay. All right. So – um, so yoga, 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 yoga. I like what doing yoga? yoga. It's you know hard. Somebody tell it's me hard yoga sometimes. I'm sorry. Well, to, I'm talking about asana. asana practice. Cool. Let's yeah. do that. Asana practice goes back and forth for me because sometimes um, there are people that say things to me like, hey, you finished. Or like, wow, look at you. And I'm like what the fuck? Like, yeah, I just did the same class you did. Cause like I'm doing yoga and so are you. you're like, you really did that. And I'm like, cool. Um, I just, there's so many assumptions that are made about people that live in bodies that aren't thin, white, female presenting cisgender, like the, just the idea of like, uh, can you do what we're about to show you? And then that gets in my own head about like, well, I'm going to be in competitive yoga. And then that takes me out of my own. Cause I'm like, of course I can do it and watch me. And like, I am going to perform for you instead of like, this is centering yeah, for me. Fat circus, right? And I think it took a while for me. To, yeah. I, I'm a good fatty because I'm, I'm doing something that you want to mm. see me do. Like I'm, I'm dieting. I'm doing exercise. I'm a good fatty. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Not that's a whole nother day's topic, and we can talk about good fatties. Invite me, um, that, thank you. But it is difficult because, <laughs> I, yes, I had to make my own practice. Basically, I had to invent it because no one was going to fucking be able to show me the shit that mm-hmm. I needed to know. Mm-hmm. So I had to make it up, and then I had to go online to find other people who were also making it up mm-hmm. because I knew I couldn't be the only person who was doing this. But I was the only person doing it at the mm-hmm. yoga studio. You know, and that's not necessarily true at every studio that I've ever been to, but like, I really liked Citizen. I liked the vibe. It felt like it could be a good space. And it also felt like a laboratory. Cause I was like, I'm just going to see what happens if I do down dog with two blocks under my hands and like, who knows what, like, wow. Like I, and I also had to divorce myself from the outcome of caring what other people thought about what I was doing or if I was distracting other people because I was like, they have to take care of their own distraction. Like I had to divorce myself from the outcome that the practice was going to look like something or do something for me. And then I think once I let go of the idea that like, I am doing this because I will become svelte and have a tiny waist and tight buns. And it started to be like, I wonder if I could, you know, pick up my legs and crow pose like to my own version of what yoga looks like I that was really freeing to be like okay yeah no I really don't have to care what you think about what I'm doing like I just I had to divorce myself from the outcome maybe detached is better it's more yogic I had to detach myself from the idea that there was going to be this outcome from yoga um, and I think that really helped me keep going back yeah and I bought all my own props because I was like, your props are shit. <laughs> They're not going to help me do what I need help doing. So I'm going to get a giant backpack, fill it up with props and take it with me everywhere I go. And that's what I am. I get a good ass yoga mat. Mm-hmm. 
And that's what I, I did. That's the story of me. The, the part that you're talking about that speaks to me is this idea of like, when you walk into a yoga studio as a larger person, a larger body, and you make the choice, you, you have the agency and the autonomy and you make the choice to show up. And then you also make the choice to figure out how this pose is going to work for you. Big air quotes there. Cause yoga doesn't work. It just is. Um, and then you have people say, wow, I really like the way that you did that. Thank you. And also, what? Like, yeah. I had to do it this way because like, what you're doing is not going to work for me. And so here I am fumbling around trying to figure it out because to be an active participant in this, I had to figure out another way, you know? Um, and I think that's the part that's really interesting to me because, like, if you go and Google yoga right now, like, if you're listening to this podcast and you know how to multitask and you Google yoga, it is thin, white, women and there are thin white women in this room hi Anne. um who like can get their leg behind their head and like that's awesome and also that's maybe not the same thing as what we're trying to do you know and like there's so much everybody just thinks it has to look a certain way and i think like sarah said when we divorce ourselves from the idea of what it's supposed to look like then we're inviting more people to participate. And also, you know, when we, as teachers, when we learn how to teach to more people than people that just look like us, everybody wins or everybody benefits. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the time, <laughs> or even if the teacher ca cared, <laughs> caring is a different story. <laughs> just even care like, about it. You know, when, when people are, I didn't come, when I came to teacher training, I had a lot of frustration because I was presented uh, the most typical way to do something. And then I had to be like, excuse me, um, that doesn't work for me. So now what? And frequently the response was, I don't know, you could do child's pose. And that doesn't help. You know, and so my mission in out training, of teacher training, in, teacher training? <sighs> in general, but yeah, sometimes in teacher training, it is a okay. dumbfounded, like, oh, well, we didn't think about that. Mm -hmm. And my thing is like, mm -hmm. you didn't think about that. And I'm inviting you to think about it. And can we maybe workshop this together? Because mm -hmm. it's just, this is it, you know, like this is the life and not everybody is in the same body as you. Um, and I'm not saying that everyone is going to be able to teach to everyone, but if you can teach to more people than just you and people that look like you, that's a win. Um, but I also mm -hmm. had to do a lot of work at home to figure out what was going to work for me before I walked into a studio. So I hear you on that, Sarah, is my point. So I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm probably going to say stuff that's, who knows? So this is where part of my practical business-minded brain thinks. So I always go back to this idea, is yoga fitness or is it spiritual? So let's go down both of those aisles, okay? If yoga is fitness, if people are mostly doing yoga for fitness, it's a bad business model that your demographic is so small when over 50% of the population is um, 
larger bodied. So you're missing out on this huge revenue stream. This is my business mind thinking, right? So you're like, and then if you have an initiative saying mental health, then don't you want to capture even more people? So if you're only really looking at it from a fitness model, you're missing out on a huge demographic. Then if you want to go down the spiritual model, are you telling people who are practicing asana that only one type of person can be spiritual because they can do a handstand? And then you have to have a really deep, deep, meaningful conversation on what is spiritual yoga. I'm using that just for lack of a better way of explaining it. So in both options, regardless of what avenue you want to go, How, like you, if people want to be instructors or even business owners or studio owners, you know, what, what's your goal? What, what's your goal? Who do you want to reach? And the only thing that I ever get a little bent on is if people are saying they're being inclusive, well then be inclusive. If you're not inclusive, I mean, people can, it's their prerogative. If you want to say like, we have the fittest yoga instructors and this is why we're doing it then that's your business model that it's, you know, you have the right to do that. But I think it's sort of this, oh no, it's kumbaya, it's for everybody. And then they don't actually offer the practical tools. Then you're like, that's for me sometimes like where I'm just like, I get a little frustrated. That's like part of my cha-cha issue. I have something to say too, Sarah, go. <laughs> you go for, oh, well, nine, one of my number one things with Casey, this goes back to my wear my pants, is that nothing that is branded citizen yoga goes beyond a size Mm -hmm. large. And I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And I said that to her for almost eight solid years of being like, if you, you want representation, you want people to show up, like brand me, I'm begging you to buy clothes in my size. And you just don't like, I I'm not represented at the front desk from the people who work there. I'm not represented in your branding and merchandise. You say you care about my mental health and well-being, And I'm telling you, this is upsetting my mental health and well-being. And you don't, you don't, I, is it hard? Like, I understand that, that perhaps the catalog you're using might not include site, but then find a new fucking catalog because somebody's got to make me pants. Yeah, let's say that. Like, <laughs> like maybe they could sew you pants too. Okay. So here you go. You guys ready for this? Yeah. Which one of you MFers that I adore and I sat in a mentorship group with is ready to fucking be no. the person teaching nope. because all three of you would make incredible I'm tired. Because I'm fucking too tired. Shit, because if not, we're all fucking tired. It's been a two-year pandemic and we've all got otherness and know. the world's fucking hard. Really fucking but tired. if you want someone to be represented in the group, then then do it. Somebody has to go I just want to wear the shirt. Somebody I just want to wear the t-shirt. Has, yeah, you're pedaling backwards real fast, Miss Weinstein. All I want is the t-shirt. Listen, no. You just said nobody's at the desk. Nobody's wearing the stuff. Nobody's doing the things. And if we want to Andrea's point, someone has to be it. I was saying to Case today, so I was telling her I was doing this. I said, I don't, there was no other gay yoga teachers when I started teaching yoga in 2005 that I say to myself, I'm too tired to be the gay teacher. No, but you don't have to wear your gayness on your, on your meat suit at all (laughs) times. Like I did. But you didn't have to. I, I hear you. I hear you on that piece of it. But I think that when we get into, I totally hear you because that qualifies for that and race and, and ability. I hear you. And I still call fucking bullshit. You guys, we need you to represent. Someone has to step up. 
someone has to step in. And we can, we can all keep looking around for who that's going to be. But every one of you has everything it would take to be a powerful force of teaching asana and spirituality. In but who do you see me teaching? Just the people that are Everybody, already there? Anybody. Gonna Why teach are you me? limiting to who you would teach? Sarah. Well, I'm just wondering, like, right. are you... You That's right. Sarah comes to yoga with with the underwear. In yeah. case that wasn't clear on this podcast, Sarah rolls into Citizen wearing just underwear because she doesn't have any pants. Yeah, I only wear underpants. Yeah, yeah. And okay. I didn't think this is where this chat so, was going, and I've got no. A I mean, say. that's track. Backtrack, okay, a little bit. Chaos. Matthew Sanford, paralyzed, quadriplegic, teaches fucking Iyengar yoga to all kinds of bodies. Who's coming to your classes? People who want to... Have you ever entered a room and not entertained and charmed the pants off of people? <laughs> My God. Literally. Fat pants is the so, episode title. So fuck that. It is. Fat, fat pants. pants. Fat, fat pants. suit. Okay, so... Pants. so I hear you guys, and I also just call you on your fucking bullshit and fear of showing up in that. Fear. And I get it; it's not easy. I get it. I, I don't I have a do fear. Have I did fear, it, and but it got honestly, like, out, so. go ahead. For me, it's just I'm just not at a place. I'm not. I mean, like last year, I probably averaged fifty hours a week. I worked a shit ton of hours. I, you know, like, like it's really a. And you're right; it is a choice. I have a limited, finite amount of time. And I would have to practice to cue to other people. So it's like, sometimes I'm like, well, maybe in my retirement, I'll have to do it. Like, I just so I, I'm not about. saying no to it. Yeah. And I, I hear you. And I also am like, okay, well, if I am representing, I feel like when I come to class, I'm representing stuff too. Like I don't have to just be the instructor to be representing other look other bodies too right like so I think that's important too right yeah I I agree with that but I I just also I just also call bogus and some of it for for like you know <laughs> I just do because we because fair. we need you uh, I want you I would love to take any one of your classes any one of you and you don't you it's like uh, Every teacher train I've ever thought, taught basically decided that if they couldn't do it, they couldn't teach it. And I think that's fucking bogus. And maybe you do find a niche market. If that feels better and safer and you want to create, like to Andrea's point, you know, something that feels accessible and inclusive and it's like that is the the, the niche, great. That's a great start. I'm totally on board. And I think that feels safe to people. And I think that's awesome. It has its own purpose. But if to Sarah saying, you know, we're not represented in the clothes or the desk or the, the teachers, like, yeah. Okay. So, you know, my biggest fear is being a hypocrite because the way that I was taught how to, to cue yoga is for like smaller bodied people. And I would have to put in a shit ton of work to figure out how to make it more inclusive. <laughs> and I'm like, well, my default would to be kind of do as I was taught. And it's like, God, what if I showed up like that? That would be horrible, right? Like, so you're this big fat person teaching to a bunch of thin people and then you're making a practice that's not inclusive. Like, that's my nightmare, honestly. 
it wouldn't happen. And, and that doesn't mean that would happen, away. but I'm just saying like that happens in my head. Like, I don't like, if I don't want to be part of this, like, how am I contributing? Like, I'd have to be really thoughtful. And then, you know, I do think of stuff like that. Like, I don't want to contribute. Like I'd have to like do a lot of work, which is fine. Um, I'm just sharing thoughts in my mind. I don't know. I think there's also a conversation there about emotional labor. And like, yeah, we need people to do the work. And also, I think it's fair because like, I feel like my whole life I'm I'm the example or the role model or the look at them, you know? And like, sometimes I just want to fucking go to yoga and I don't want to be all those things. I don't want to be the good fat. I don't want to be the whatever. Like, I just want to be... Um, and I get, I hear what you're saying and I appreciate that you think that is true. And also I know that there's a lot more behind that. It feels like walking into a war zone, no matter how confident you are, if the dominant culture and the, the structure is not in place, it feels unsafe. You know, personally, I don't feel comfortable in any physical space of yoga right now that is not online because I don't feel comfortable bringing people in and they come to my class and they think that is how the world of the studio works. And then they arrive to someone else's class and that class does not include them. That feels like false Mm. advertisement to me. And I'm not saying that everyone under the sun is going to be Where does it change? But, I don't know. There's a conversation of emotional labor and there's a conversation of I don't want to drag people into something that is maybe not as safe as it could be for them. And I'm not guaranteeing that we can make safe spaces for people because I think that's bullshit too. But I think that we can make safer spaces for people. You know? And I think Michelle Cassandra Johnson says that, that, you know, you can make safer spaces, but you can't guarantee safety. And I'm not trying to guarantee safety, but I also know that it's not. The work has not been done in a lot of places to for me to feel confident bringing people into those spaces. I'm trying to live a life of the least harm possible. And so for me right now, showing up in spaces just me and being accountable for just me is something I can handle. I don't want to bring harm to other people, even if it's unintentional, you know? So I keep saying, you know, you don't know. Maybe you don't know, but that's where I'm at. So, I'm going to have to roll that amount around because I still think that there is some other stuff underneath of what you're saying that is also true that is making that easier to say. So I don't really have the words for that yet, but I can feel them. Okay. Um, I appreciate the idea of emotional labor. Um, I can appreciate that. Are you going to try to, no dogs breaking in. Here they come. You know, Anne, when you teach class, do you feel energized or do you feel zapped or both? Or like, could you talk about, I mean, I know I don't want to get off topic, but I I think this is important to this emotional Mm -hmm. labor part, right? Like if you, um, I'm just curious, like in a shortened condensed answer. Yeah. I mean, I think part of what I'm, what I think I'm feeling a reaction to is around, uh, do no harm because the question is also like, that's also so loaded. Like, 
what is harm? How do I get to decide what's harm for you or harm for me? And like, to the same point, what's safe for you and safe for me? Like, I always go back to Mary Laura and our mentorship group talking when we were talking about trauma informed and as a social worker and someone who had a fair bit of her own trauma, um, that she was saying, like, you, you have no idea what someone else's triggers are or are not, right? Because Mm -hmm. they're so often so benign and that we can't, I just always think of like, when we focus so much on do no harm, we also can lose freaking impact. And I think there's a really weird, gray, complex space there. And so I hear you and I hear you on the emotional labor and risk. I know that in your life right now, you're in a place of still uh, wading through permission to be fully yourself in all the spaces you inhabit. And that holds a lot of emotional weight, pun intended. Um it does. It's a lot. And I, and I've talked to you and Sarah about how like the 20 year gap here is, um, it's so fascinating that what we felt like in our early twenties is not dissimilar to what, um, queer non-binary folks are feeling, um, now as like the next coming out wave of like identification and, and, exposure and the way the world is. And just, I just think there's a parallel when I listen to you speak about your experience. And so I understand all of that. I understand the heaviness of not um, fully feeling like you can be safely yourself, period, Um, let alone walking into spaces that could potentially feel you feel extra other, you know, if that's possible. Um, But I also still hear the other side of it in my heart, which is like, we got to do it differently, you know, and Mm -hmm. and that's what my, you know, I. I, I don't teach a typical class. I don't do things the way that they were taught to me. I don't fit the mold of what's being done. Yes, I'm white and thin and, um, and, and quite frankly, thinner than I've been most of my life. But like, that's uh, so many of the feelings you express, I think are, are also just fucking human. And so sometimes I, that's all I've ever claimed to be right is a human. human. And I don't mean to diminish. No. And I think, I think the point that I I don't don't mean to diminish the individual experience. No, I think the point that I was trying to make is that it's a structural issue. Fat phobia is an issue that is greater than me. And so sometimes it feels hard when the Mm -hmm. weight is still put on the individual to fix a problem that is so much bigger than me. Um, and sure I can make an Mm -hmm. impact and I would love to, but sometimes I think and you are. in these spaces, we need people that don't look like me to say some shit so that it gets in other people's heads. Because it's not always fair necessarily to ask the people that are most affected to do the work all the time, as if we don't have a million other things that we're working on. Um, and that's not to say that everyone so is not working like? on things, but it just there's something about it that feels tricky mm-hmm. about asking there's two sides of it of like, let this, the people that are involved speak on their experience and also stop asking them to be uh, harmed again, traumatized, uh, overlooked, overworked, whatever, to continue to talk about it when no one's listening anyway, or not no one's listening, but less people are listening. And I don't know if that is tracking right now, but sometimes it feels tricky to ask people, to do more work in a world that is already not totally here yet. 
Right. And then it goes back to the chicken egg thing. It's like, if we don't show up, then how do we make change? Right. And then I, I, I hear everything, what it, it's your, it's the plus sign. Risk everything you're saying plus exactly. and what everything you're right. saying. And it's always the both and, and it's always going to be the both and. Um, right. Because uh-huh. I feel the same way you do. You know, like, I don't want to be a hypocrite. I don't want to um, show up and then no one comes because they're like, well, I don't want to take the fat girl teacher <laughs> class, right? Like, who wants to be that person? Like, I'm going to be like 150 and still like feel rejected. Like, I thought high school was a thousand years ago. Um, and then it's like, well, what if you completely fail at it and you don't get any students and here you invested all this time and, you know, like, it's not your profession your hobby you invest all this time to do this trade and then no one shows up that would be horrible i don't have a fear just of- use me for any crisis planning i can't think of all the terrible things i don't have a fear of failure <laughs> and i'm like what if you i think that's back? the difference i don't have a fear of fear of failure i don't have a fear really at all about this i already know the, what i'm doing in the spaces that i'm in um right I just think it's a grander issue. But you do have a fear of harm. I do. You do. Have I don't want to hurt anybody, right? It. And and that's that is still true. But I don't have a fear. No, of not... but you have a fear. Of... Go ahead. You you expressed a fear of being hurt yourself. That you're putting yourself into an unsafe place. Sure. By potentially teaching. So that's to me, uh, like a fear of maybe I misspoke. Mind. I will often put my head on the chopping block so that somebody else doesn't have to. I don't know if this is something that I need to do right now, but I, I, I do in other spaces. Oh, I, I mean, I'm that. not. You know I, what I mean? Um, so. Sure. Mm-hmm. I think this was more of a, like, less of a personal, like, <laughs> it didn't mean, it didn't need to be so personal. <laughs> it's just that I know you three in that capacity. Yeah. Right. But it's really more of an overarching question of then who. Sure. Right. And, right. and I mean, and Sarah Weinstein, I really think that you're the you're the you're the weak link here that I might be able to finagle into this. Um, but I, mostly, you know, um, and I hear you about asking. And also, I guess I'm just I know my my personhood and my style is to be like just willing to to I, you know I, I guess some of it is like some of us have a soul call that we're willing to do that 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 quote unquote emotional labor and. Um, and I'm not saying I'm doing the emotional labor, but I'm saying I I was very other when I started teaching comparatively to what was around me. I was. But you have done emotional labor. You did. You have done that. Absolutely. Right. I, and I like we all do to some degree, right? But like yeah. I'm also willing to fucking say everything. <laughs> you know, I got mean emails about talking about fucking gun laws when Oxford shooting happened or, or gun safety or just being pissed about guns in general, right? Like I think that not – I think that what I'm saying is – I hear you. I'm not saying it has to be you or you now, but I also think it is chicken or egg. And like, mm-hmm. like pe- we only, I try to speak to whatever I can, whatever oppression I see in yoga as often as I can. I never try to shy away from it. I'm willing to fuck it up. But I also like, like somebody's got to step in, you know? And, and, and even to the point of what you said, Andrea, showing up in the class. Yeah, that does matter. Because mm-hmm. then someone else who shows up in the class and sees that they're not the only fat 
person doing yoga in that space, there mm-hmm. is something to that. Just like if another black person or another queer person or my purposely saying my wife often in class is because I could very easily slide under the radar. But I want you to know that I am too othered. I am queer and like, it's okay to be here. You're seen, you're valuable, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think that's the whole thing. So some of us, yes, have invisible otherness. And some of us, it's the same reason I talk about ADHD all the time now. Like, like we don't normalize it not normalized. You know what I mean? We don't change the perceptive perception of it by keeping it in the shame closet to circle back to the beginning of some of this, you know? And Mm -hmm. yes, I hear you that fat and ethnicity and color, and there are things that cannot be seen. Um, and that that's different. Uh We lost Sarah. Um, but she's coming back. She's back. back. Did you find some pants? (laughs) Uh, I was yeah. While I was gone, I knitted myself my own special pair of crocheted pants. Congratulations! Thank you. Sorry. Oh, thank you. Anyway, oh, there's so much more. We touched on that today. Yeah, I was going to say we could talk about this for 150 days. I think we should do. And the second one, part two, should be called "Pants Aplenty." I found my pants. Uh, Personhood of personhood of traveling pants. I love yeah. it. Of the trailing fat pants. <laughs> yeah. Not only are we reclaiming fat, we're going to reclaim fat pants. Absolutely. Like, own your damn fat pants. Yeah. They are good pants. These pants fit yeah. me because I'm fat. So therefore, they're my fat we pants. We talked about everything and nothing. Right. So what happens next? <laughs> I think that this was actually really, really good. good. Really? I mean, oh, I- my God. I thought we were a disaster. Same. Oh no! Didn't you think this was good? Okay, I felt like I was talking out of my ass. Um, no, I love it. No, but like these are things that I believe so fully. My like I, I talking about stuff like this, like just makes me really it engages me. Like it's something that I think about a lot in my head, and so then when I get to talk about it, it makes me really pleased. Especially get get your face on the microwave. And no, you got to no, no, no. You need you need to put your face on the microphone or the microwave. I want to say to Sarah. Oh, hey, Shannon. Hi. Um, we were doing yoga one time in, in Fancy's class, and you said something. You were like, well, I can't. How do you do this if you have a belly? Mm. And I was like, yeah, how do I do this if I have a belly? <laughs> but you said it in class, and I was like, yeah, thanks. Like, I know Anne would tell me. I would walk over and just pick up my fucking belly. Yeah. But, like, you know, I'm, I was like, yes, say that do it oh i'm so glad that was helpful for yeah in your in your peacock yeah i have no trouble asking for modifications or being like this doesn't fit my body um because i want to make it work and so if you aren't offering me something i will ask you what do you have for uh what do you have for me yeah, but, I yeah, but you're a badass, and there's a lot of people who live in the mm-hmm. shadows and right. then just stop coming. Right. Right. Yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. You would. You will. You will speak to the people. So I'm with. I'm mm-hmm. on your team here. I think we should convince her too. <laughs> we have two people who are willing. Uh, we have one, two, three, four people willing to be some guinea pigs for you to start practicing uh, um, with. And you know, I'm just saying. I'm just yeah. saying. Uh, I s- You're a natural storyteller. I won't pressure you. Really? You really? If this is not pressure, pressure, I'm so confused. As yeah. a third party, there's pressure. <laughs> you have to do it. <laughs> Thank you for validating my experience. Uh, no, but, I, you know, I, we're going to talk really quickly about just, like, 
Sarah in particular, when Sarah walked into the <laughs> when Sarah walked into class, it was like <gasps> holy shit. It's not just me anymore. You know, and like that alone is like a weight lifted. Um <laughs> Next time, let's see how many times we can use words that relate back to the topic. But that's the thing, right? Fat phobia is fucking everywhere. And so weight is just part of a word that we use in conversation because of that. And and topics are heavy and blah, 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 right? Different story. But when Sarah walked in, I was like... Okay, wait, I'm arguing for one second. Wait, no, you can't just bypass that. Uh, Gastric bypass that? That's right. Um, (laughs) Ding, 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 ding. I'll take gastric bypass for 20. Um, <laughs> I'm going to pass out. That was so funny. <laughs> Listen. I can't. I can't. I hear you on how saying things like weight and, and whatever the other heavy feel like that. But actually, to me, it, that's an energetic expression. Yeah. I feel that as, as an empath, that has nothing to do with the actual body to me at sure. all. That is a feeling outside of my body that my body perceives. Sure. So so I would have never made those associations having anything to do with actual physicality. They don't. That's not at all what they mean. To sure. Me. Can we go back to the part where you were going to talk about me? Yeah, no, I, my, the point of my, oh yeah. The point of my story is just like, there is a lot of power in showing up and we can't forget about that. And like, uh, Mm -hmm. there are Uh fewer spaces that I feel, there are few spaces in the world where I feel super safe and comfortable for a lot of reasons. But I know that when I'm in a room with other fat people, it feels easier. And so, like, even if there's one, Sarah, uh, because that's we happen to go to the same classes frequently, um, that's cool. And so I want that for more people, you know? Like, even if I hide in the front corner and mind my own business the whole class, I hope that someone sees me doing something so that they feel like they have permission to do the same thing, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, mm. and I think that, so that might've been a little bit of what I was talking about. Go ahead. Talking about what? That might've been a little bit what I was talking about. Right. You know, it's you interesting said that to me the because same way I, twice and it meant nothing different to me the second time. <laughs> Can you say it a third time? <laughs> sure. That's what I was speaking about earlier about the visibility matters period mm. end of story. And so while I know we can say emotional labor also, I would disagree that emotional labor um, is inherently harmless, right? Like, or, or, or anchoring to that, like, I'm not, I don't want to take it on. I can, I hear you. If that's a mental health call, fine. If that's a, if that's a way to, to pretend that we're not doing harm, I disagree because I think that visibility is vital mm. to anything and any system we want to change. Sure. And that in order to do that, then the harm is actually in staying invisible. That is the harm. What does shame thrive on? Invisibility. And so that's what I push back against. It's like, I hear you and. It's always and, right? It's always and. There's always an and there. And and here's the the thing. Riz, you are showing up. What you're doing Mm -hmm. on Instagram is insanely amazing and awesome. (laughs) So beautiful. (laughs) I love the pants here every time. Um, (laughs) <laughs> but, coming out of my nose. Um, 
Ugh. Oh, but do we get to call that too? It's just a body part. But, um, okay. So anyway, I, you are doing things. It's not like you're hiding in the corner. So I don't really mean that like that, but I, I just think that sometimes we use all of these, like, this is maybe me just being a asshole about it, but like, I think that sometimes we just use these, these things as, as ways to also still stop ourselves from, um, being part of, Shift, sure, shift. sure, and you're your own worst critic, right? And you're you're the one that holds yourself back in a lot of ways. That's fair. Um, and also, I think it's fair that like sometimes we only have so much space and so much brain power for so many things, you know. Totally, totally. And I think that if totally. you've been in a space that has already shown you otherwise, it can be really tricky to return to that space and feel comfy there. And that's what I'll say about that. You know, you can, uh, well, as somebody who has done that, it is the cha-cha though, because I've had like crap experiences and then I take a break and then I go in and I have good experiences, which sometimes I think like mindset is a huge deal. You know, like when I have more negative thought forms, my yoga experience can be really crappy and really crappy around my weight. You know, some of it's them, some of it's me. If I'm in a better headspace, my mindset's a certain way, you know, I can get so much more out of it because I'm not thinking of all that stuff. And that's the part that's just so tricky, you know, because it's like, well, when you are in your head and you're having all these negative thoughts, you need to get out of your head, right? And that's when you need it the most. And sometimes that's when it's the most difficult for me. And so, you know, I've, I think that's why I say the, my asana practice is really like the cha-cha, like I'll move into it and it could be really great. And then I just feel so bummed out and then I back out and then I'm like, oh, I really need that again. And I don't know if it'll ever be different than this coming in and backing out and coming in. And the yoga world has changed a lot in the last two decades. And hopefully that growth and change and, you know, just a malleability of it, it, what is so beautiful that it can change. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, and so, you know, that's really special. Like it's not static. The community isn't static. The practice isn't static. And that's really something that's very beautiful too. Yeah. And I don't think that I show up to the mat every time anticipating that it's going to be this beautiful, awesome experience. Right. Cause like that wouldn't be, of course, that wouldn't be life. That wouldn't be yoga. You know, it wouldn't be any of those things. Um, yeah, and I was just commenting on your direct comment about, you know, sometimes you can go into a space and it feels icky and it's hard to go back and you're right. Yeah. And yet I've done it and it was okay. Sure. And that's, I mean, that's good to too. hear, right? Because like, it is very easy to write off things. And when we do mm-hmm. that, we, when I do that, what I'm basically saying is that folks can't change. And I think that's not true, but I think that voice is really loud sometimes. You know, so and so has done me yeah, wrong, I and so X Y Z. You know, yeah. um, we all see through our lens of perception for sure. And what did you you call it when you said it's like you rebel something? It was like a two word, Sarah, and you right got there. it from Sarah, yeah. right? Yeah, compliant, defiant. Yes. yes, that I think that's really important. 
Mm-hmm. Can you explain that? Yeah, absolutely. So I have been going to my therapist is a um, works with eating disordered and people with disordered eating. Um, and sh- before I got to the place where I am with my body, I had a lot of binging at night and like being good during the day. And she was like, okay, well that's classic compliant where you're going along with what you've set up as like the way to do it. And then you were and defiant. Fuck you. I'm not going to do what you told me. You're not the boss of me. I'm going to do whatever I want. And it's that in, in both sides of it is you. So it's this compliant defiant dance of like, before I sort of let, and Anne talks about this, like I just kind of let all the eating rules go about what was good and what was bad. Mm -hmm. And that really helped my compliant, defiant, like struggle of just being like, okay, I'm doing all these things. And like, there's all this pressure and I'm doing it right. And then I was like, fuck you. Like, I don't want to do this, but it was all me. It was me the whole time. So (laughs) trying to like unpack that um, relationship of defiance, compliance. So let's, let's table that and take that to the next time. Cause I think that's a, I have lots to say about that. It might be a cat this time. It might be the Holy spirit. Um, so, um, I, I want, I think we could all keep talking and I want to, so I want to just cut this now and then we'll do it again. Um, I'd I come back. That, oh, great. Good. I'm good. Um, thanks. I do think that what you were saying, <laughs> Well, you were saying Riss and Andrea were both saying, actually, Andrea, you made me think of it, is that like the truth is in yoga and anywhere in our lives, we only ever see through our lens of perception sure. and everything's a mirror and everything's showing us our shadows. And so, so when you, you know, I, I will share, let's like, we can pick up there next time because I even have stories about that in class, right? And, and in teaching and that exposure and there's, there's just so much. So, um, thank you for showing up in this way. I hope that you guys all, um, enjoyed this conversation. Cause I know I did, and I'd love to do it again. I think that, um, I'm going to tell you a couple things, but I think that, um, I'd love to hear or, or maybe take a piece of paper later. Okay. I'm gonna put on my teacher hat, um, my mentor hat and like whatever comes up to you that you're like, Oh, I should have said this. Oh, I want to talk about that. Let's all do that with some notes so that next time we make sure, and then you can send them to me and tell me what you want to make sure we hit so I can guide the conversation that way. If it needs to be guided that way. Cause I think that there's a lot, I want to talk about how to help people. Like if they want to try to step into an asana practice, where would we send them? What would we say to them? How would they, how would they do that? What would, how would you prepare them? I think that would be really helpful. Um, and then I want to talk about compliance and defiance because I think that's fascinating to everyone. I want to talk about this lens of perception. I want to talk about whatever else you felt like we didn't talk about. So, um, also stay on the line for a sec after we pretend to be done because I'm going to stop recording, but we need to get all of you totally uploaded and, um, okay. I love you all. I think you're beautiful human beings. <laughs> love you guys. Thank too. you beautiful. for this opportunity. And I think it's a very interesting topic. Yeah, yeah, same. Thanks for letting me uh, scream into a microphone. I would like a gold star because I like almost wanted to bail and I felt really sweaty for most of this conversation. Good job you for sticking it through, Andrea Davis. You know, I'm not 24 and being so (laughs) expressive on my own personal. I can tell you all about history. I'm not talking about myself. Right. That is not super comfortable for me at all. I think the only reason that I can, I can only talk about it because it's the only truth that I've ever known to be true. And so while you connect to history, this is the only thing that I've ever known to be true in my life.
well, I think that's where it just decided to cut out. Thank you so much for listening, tuning into this entire episode. We just kept talking and talking endlessly, and I think we all have a lot more to say on this. So um, if you've enjoyed it, let me know. I do plan on following up and hopefully getting this group of lovely humans back together to record episode two, um, The Fat Pants Continues. Um, As always, grateful for you. If you're interested in connecting, go to my website, check out the retreat, and uh, I'm just grateful to spend this time with you just like this.